What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. This is the January 12th, 2019 edition. Uh, as always, I'm Luke, and I am joined by Abe. How you doing, Abe? I'm good. Had good. some pizza earlier, and my stomach is feeling rather interesting right now. <laughs> All right, well, if you get the poops on the podcast, uh, yeah, well, don't. don't do that. <laughs> I, had some, I had some leftover pizza for lunch. Nice. And uh, some cheesy garlic bread. Um, Mel convinced me to order a second dinner last night. Um, mm. She she paid for it, though, so it's all good. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, we're going to do... We're going to do some stuff a little differently today. I'm kind of experimenting with a new format. Uh, I'm going to break it out into team news... And news from around the league, uh, if there is, I don't really have any discussion topics today, but, um, so let's, let's get started. Um, so team news, just going to put the timestamp in there. Uh, on January 1st, the Blackhawks met the Boston Bruins in the 2019 Bridgestone Winter Classic. The game was played at Notre Dame Stadium and drew an announced crowd of 76,126. The Blackhawks netted goals from Brendan Perlini and Dominic Cahoon. The Bruins beat the Hawks 4-2 with power play goals from Pasternak and Bergeron, as well as a 5-on-5 goal from Corrali and an empty netter from Marchand. The Blackhawks are now 1-5 in outdoor games, I believe. Something like that. <clears throat> yeah. Which we were at that game. Yep. <clears throat> we were there. It was a really cool experience. Um, you can tell that they, they really crafted all the marketing materials for that game with, uh, love and care. There are just so many references to Notre Dame all over the place and like down to like the fonts that they had the, the team's names in and things like that. They, uh, when the teams came out, I think they played, it was either the, the theme from Rudy or it was the Notre Dame fight song. Probably. They played both know. of those. I, I don't remember where they played them okay. or at what times, but they, they were both there. Uh, it was just such a cool experience. The uh, They had the teams, or they had the Blackhawks uh, walk in through the, I think it's the, uh, there's there's a, like a, a Notre Dame alumnus who's listening to this and realizes how much I'm bastardizing this, but um, I think they walk in through the library or something before the game just like the uh, the Notre Dame football team does, and they greet all the people, uh, and there's like a marching band playing. They, uh, uh, I think they had the guys touch the play like a champion today sign. Yep. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, they showed the video on the screen for that. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I know that Stan Bowman orchestrated this entire thing because he went to Notre Dame. Um, so it was, uh, uh, this is kind of his brainchild. Um, the one thing I will say that they didn't prepare for was all the food and beer. Yeah, yeah. They ran the, out by the end of the second intermission, or before the end of the second intermission, they were completely out of concessions for the most part. Yeah, uh, I mean, they were running out of things, like, when we got there. We wanted the, 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 the pretzel, the, dog the pretzel dogs, the pretzel worst, whatever it was. And I managed they were to get out. one. Did you? Yeah. Oh, nice. How were they? It was all right. <laughs> it was just all right. It's kind of soggy. Yeah, and I think they ran out of beer, like, almost immediately. I, I don't know what the issue was. Like they, It's a dry stadium, is what the issue was. They weren't ready for it. 
That's fair. But even with like the the food concessions, they you know they host football games there. They should. Yeah, concessions wise, like food wise, yeah, no, they should not run out. But beer, that's somewhat understandable. Uh, so I didn't put it in the story here, but that announced crowd of seventy six thousand one hundred twenty six people is it, it's basically a sellout. The 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 stadium seats about eighty thousand. Um, it is the the largest Blackhawks game. Uh, it's the la- the largest Blackhawks home game in history by attendees, and it's the second largest NHL game in history by attendees. The largest one was uh, the Maple Leafs versus the Red Wings at uh, the Big State House. Games. Yeah, Michigan. That one was like a hundred and five thousand. Something like that. Uh, that's that's, that's the, a lot. That's the biggest sports stadium in North America, uh, in the U.S. Anyway, really, I think it's North America. Yeah. No, it can't be North America because yeah. Mexico has a soccer stadium that has a monstrous seating capacity. Hmm. I'm gonna look it up. Right look that now. up. Yeah, um, and then the only other hockey game that was played, at least in the U.S., Abe's looking up uh, the the stats here now but the only other hockey game that was played that was bigger than the red wings and maple leafs at the big house was uh university of michigan versus michigan state uh it was the big chill at the big house in 2010 they had an announced attendance of like like 105,000 but i think they sold like 115,000 seats it was something crazy like that all right i found it and you're right I thought the soccer stadium in Mexico was the largest, but no. So Michigan Stadium is the largest with a capacity of 107,601. That's, I mean, it's pretty close. That's huge. Beaver yeah. Stadium is two. Ohio Stadium is three. Why, is, why are college stadiums the largest? That's crazy. I don't know. They're larger than NFL stadiums. That's crazy. Like, after I heard about this, I had to look up, like, the Cowboys Stadium, because I assumed that they could fit, like, you know, like 200,000 people or something crazy like that. Um, it should be in there, because their capacity is, like, 100,000 or something like that. I think it's only 80. It's not even in the top 20. Yeah. It's insane. Why, why do these college stadiums have such <laughs> massive capacity when NFL stadiums are only peaking at, like, 80,000? I don't know. That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, moving on to number two. Um, uh, this item comes from a Blackhawks press release. The team has announced that they will wear the uniforms worn in the 2019 Bridgestone Winter Classic for three upcoming home games. January 22nd versus the New York Islanders. February 18th versus the Ottawa Senators. And March 24th versus the Colorado Avalanche. That just means that it's further delaying when they go on clearance to buy for us to buy one. <laughs> Which sucks because I was I was gonna wait until like like right now to buy one, but uh, everywhere I look, they're either out of stock or they are still full price. Hey, I told you, those, Dicks had them for sale. Those those are popular. Well, they they had the authentic ones for jail. I'm waiting for the replica ones to go on to. Uh, did I say jail? It sounded like it. I might have said jail. Um, <laughs> I'm waiting for the regular, the, the replica ones to go to jail. Because um, the replica ones start at like 180 bucks or something like that for men's sizes. And then the authentic ones are like 250 or something. Uh, 
I'm not really sure what the difference is. I know the replica ones have like white on the inside and then the, or like the collar. I don't know. Uh, I don't really know what the difference is. Maybe someone does know. If you do know the difference. Probably like stitched on versus ironed on patches and stuff like that too. Maybe. I don't know. That could be probably just a little higher build quality. If you do know the difference, you can tweet at us at SweaterPod and let us know. Let us know what we got wrong. If we ever get anything wrong, you can tweet at us at SweaterPod. Uh, just let us know. We just call us out on our shit. <laughs> yeah, call us out. We don't want to be wrong. You don't want us to be wrong. Let us know, uh, and we'll correct ourselves in the next episode. Um, <clears throat> this excites me uh, because I, I do wish that the Hawks would take advantage of opportunities of more opportunities to wear alternate sweaters at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they don't even they don't even have an alternate sweater yet aside from the uh, the winter classic jersey and it's a great jersey i love that jersey I, yeah I, I like really need want to buy one do you remember it was it was two seasons ago it was uh uh it was during the 16 17 season the blackhawks played in toronto on st patrick's day we were at a watch party that day and uh, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs were wearing their Toronto St. Pat's jerseys. It was just like a one-time thing. They were like green, and they just said the Toronto St. Pat's, which is like their original name. Um, or, no, the original name was the Arenas, I think. But it was one of the original names. Um, and so the Blackhawks just wore their home jerseys. So it was green and uh, red. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm actually going to go to that March 24th game against the Avalanche. I got one of those, uh, one of those MB Ice Arena experience packages where you can get a tour of the locker room, and then there's like a buffet and a public skate. Oh, sweet! Yeah, and you get a signed puck. It was, uh, it was really cool. They might have some more of those. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think I saw. I think I've been seeing like ads on Facebook for for that MB Ice Arena thing. But I'm like, but I'm not even going to any more games. <laughs> I went to one. Actually, two. <laughs> Did you go to two? Yeah. Oh, oh the, the, the Winter Nashville Classic. Game. Yeah, yeah, the, the Nashville game. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Number three comes to us from the Chicago Tribune. NBC Sports Chicago has announced... I guess I should have just attributed that to you, NBC Sports Chicago. NBC Sports Chicago has announced a multi-year media rights deal with the White Sox, Bulls, and Blackhawks. The agreement, pending MLB, NBA, and NHL approval, would create a new partnership starting with the 2019-2020 seasons. While the Cubs are poised to create their own network, NBC Sports Chicago will be the exclusive regional home for all regular season games, preseason and spring training games, and the first round of the postseason for the Bulls and Blackhawks. That's great. Especially because we won't have to deal with WGN and shitty antennas. You know, when we were poor and living in the apartment, I was always ecstatic when we got to watch the game on WGN, because it meant that we didn't have to find a shitty stream. Mm-hmm. We just had to play with the rabbit ears a little bit. But now that we've got YouTube TV, uh, I I just want all games to be on YouTube TV. Because for me to watch it on WGN, I either need to use the Xfinity Stream app on the iPad, which only works on the iPad. And it only works on the iPad when I'm at home. It knows when I'm on another Wi-Fi yep. network, and it'll be like, fuck you. You can't watch this here. Actually, you can get it to work on a computer, but I think you need a VPN to do it. Yeah. 
I, I was never able to get it, or maybe I got it to work on the computer. I don't know. But uh, so this this excites me. I there's probably some broke college student out there who's a Hawks fan or a Bulls fan or a White Sox fan who really wants to watch their team on WGN for free with the rabbit ears. But uh, that's not me. Reddit um, slash MLB stream slash NBA streams slash. I mean, I don't know if we should be officially endorsing <laughs> that, but uh, we don't endorse that. But uh, if. It, there's ways around, basically. There, yeah, there there are ways around that. If you are, we're not we're not endorsing that. Is we're gonna end on that note. Shit, uh, we're gonna have to censor that. <laughs> just if there's like five minutes of just like beep, then that's that's why. Uh, there won't be though because I'm lazy and that would require me to do things. Number four comes from NBC Sports. Patrick Kane has been selected to the Central Division's All-Star team and will be the lone Blackhawks representative when the NHL's top stars collide on January 26th in San Jose. It's his fifth consecutive appearance and eighth of his career. In 41 games this season, Kane has 50 points. That's 22 goals and 28 assists. Actually, this might be these might be outdated stats. Uh, I'm not even going to read those because those are probably uh, outdated. Uh, but I think this is still true. He's on the, he's on pace to crack the 100 mark. The 100 the He's on pace to crack the 100-point mark for the second time in his NHL career. His personal best is 106 points set in the 2015-16 season when he won the Art Ross Trophy as the league's top scorer and Hart Trophy as MVP. Uh, so only Patrick Kane going to the All-Star game. Uh, what else is new? Yeah. It's just like last season and then like two seasons before that. Wasn't Taves on it last season? Uh, Taves did not go last season. Taves went during the 16-17 season. Uh, remember he was, he was a captain. Yeah. That was when we were still in the playoffs. Was, mm-hmm. he, was he a captain? Yeah. I think it was a captain. That sounds right. Uh, yeah, we were, we were still in the playoffs. It was before we got swept by Nashville. Uh, Taves went and I think Duncan Keith went. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember Taves felt bad because he <clears throat> felt that there were other guys on the roster who was more deserving of the opportunity than he was. Like Marion Hosa was having a resurgence season that year. Um, I think uh, I think Panarin probably deserved it more than Taves did that year. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> but yeah, so uh, we're gonna get to watch Kane, and that's about it. Hot um, take: I don't think Kane's gonna hit a hundred. No. 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 He's gonna come close, I think, but I don't think he's gonna hit a hundred. <clears throat> I mean, it'd be great if he does, but I mean the the Hawks have been pretty good lately. I think if. You know, if they keep him with guys like Stroman to bring it, and if they keep him on the power play, which they will, why wouldn't they? Um, then I think, I think he could just like barely make it. I think he could finish with like 103 points or something, or he'll get close, like 97 points. Yeah, um, I think he'll get close. Yeah, I, I definitely think he'll. He'll get close. he'll be in the ballpark for sure. 99. <laughs> unless he gets hurt, which yeah. you know, God forbid, we don't want that. Um, by the way, you remember... Uh, I'll talk about it later. Um, what's the timestamp? 15, 10-ish. Crap, I put it in the wrong place. Now it's going to be later. Uh, 15, 15. 15, 15. 15, 15. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five comes through a Blackhawks press release. The Chicago Blackhawks announced today that they have named Sheldon Brookbank, an assistant coach on Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Colleton's staff. In addition... Anders Sorensen will replace Brookbank as the assistant coach for the Rockford Icehogs of the American Hockey League. Brookbank, 38, was in his second season as assistant coach for the Icehogs 
As a member of Colleton's staff in Rockford last season, Brookbank helped the Icehogs to a 40-28-4-4 record and their first ever 2018 AHL Western Conference Finals after sweeping Chicago in the Division Semifinals finals, and sweeping Manitoba in the Division Finals before losing Texas four games to two. The 2017-18 season marks his first uh, coaching professional hockey. Prior to his coaching career, Brookbank helped the Chicago Blackhawks to the 2013 Stanley Cup and appeared in 74 games across two seasons, with Chicago notching eight points, three goals, and five assists. <clears throat> so, I reacted to this earlier, and I'll just react to it again. Brookbank's 38? <laughs> Yeah, got a bunch of babies running the team right now. <clears throat> I mean, shit. I mean, these babies are older than me. Yeah. I guess it makes me like a fetus. <laughs> <laughs> by, by hockey coaching standards. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's weird. There's like, there are, there are guys on the roster who are younger than the coaching staff. Like, Carlton's 33. Uh, Brookbank is 38. Uh, Kunitz is 39. Uh, That's the more interesting part. The fact that we have players that are older than yeah. some of the coaching staff. I think Crow is 33, 34. Uh, Keith is 35. By the way, shout out Marion Hosa. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh yeah, Hosa just turned 40 today. So happy bu- happy birthday, Hoss. We miss you. We do. We do. Um, moving on to number six. Let me get the timestamp. 1730. Uh, this one comes via Second City Hockey. Capococco scored the game-winning goal with one minute and 26 seconds left in the third period to lift Team Finland to a 3-2 win over the United States to claim gold at the World Junior Championships no. uh, at Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Blackhawks defenseman Henry Yokihari fired a shot from the blue line at Kako, a top prospect for this year's NHL draft. Collected the rebound and buried it for Finland to win its first World Juniors gold since 2016. Yogi Haru had two goals and three assists in the tournament, while Blackhawks prospect Evan Barrett had one goal in his first World Juniors appearance for the United States. Um, so, do you officially uh, take back what you said about not liking that they sent uh, Yoki Haru to World Juniors? Um, I think so. <laughs> I like that they, they sent him to this tournament and uh, he got to experience that winning culture, that winning locker room. Um, I, I want him to be hungry for that. I, I don't want him to be content with uh, the way that this season is probably going to turn out. Um, we don't want it to be like that for very long. We want to start winning again, ideally next season. And he's, he's, he's one of our better defensemen right now. He's probably going to be one of our best defensemen next season, if not the best. Uh, and we want him, you know, on the forefront of the, uh, the guys in the locker room who are really pushing for those wins. <clears throat> but that's awesome. So congratulations to Henry Yokiharyu and his possible future teammate, Capo Kako. <laughs> <laughs> um... Did you talk? Did you mention at all? Um, what's his face that was kicking tons of ass in the juniors? Um, why am I uh, blanking on his uh, name right now? Philip Khrushchev. Yes, Khrushchev. 
we we mentioned him a couple episodes ago when, we're, when I was talking about the prospects. Uh, yeah, uh, Kirsch. Yeah, he had a great um, World Juniors. Yeah, yeah. Kurashev had a great World Juniors. Uh, so did Barrett. Uh, Kurashev is... He's performing very well in the QMJHL, I think is where he's at right now. Uh, I guess it remains to be seen how well that translates to the NHL when and if he gets here. Um, he, I, he's a guy to keep an eye on, yeah, for was, sure. Wasn't he named like the most outstanding player in the World Juniors or something like that? Uh, so or just like one of the standouts? Something like that. Or someone... I, I think I sent you a tweet of a guy who, who said that... Uh, like he's he, he was like... The standout. He pointed out specifically that this guy is... That Kako... Not Kako. Um, Kurashev. That Kurashev is like such a standout player that he was an absolute steal for the Blackhawks for getting him in the fourth round. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think... I'm trying to think of another comparable player that we could reference to uh, Kurashev. Now, I know that he's been compared in his style to uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov. But I think Kuznetsov probably... I don't think... I don't know that um, uh, Kurashev is ever going to be as good of a player as Kuznetsov. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, in terms of production on an NHL roster, who would be comparable? Um... Like, just based on Kurashev's ceiling. I want to say... Uh, I don't know. I Maybe, like, last year's Nick Schmaltz? Hmm. But, like, they're, they're different players. Uh, and, I don't know, maybe that's even being optimistic. Because Schmaltz was, like, 52 points last year. Something like that. He topped 50 points. Um, so, we'll see. Uh, keep an eye on Kurashev and Evan Barrett in the future. They're probably among our... They're definitely among our best offensive prospects at the moment. Um, Secure's... He's got that ceiling, too, but he has he's got some work to do before he's going to be uh, productive in the NHL. And grab the timestamp. Uh, number seven comes... From Scott Powers of The Athletic. In an interview with Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman, Powers asked, You're making moves that impact the Blackhawks' future. Have you been given any assurances you'll continue to be the general manager beyond this season? Bowman replied, quote, The answer to that is the same as it was when they asked me. I think the day we change coaches, I'm going to keep working until they tell me not to. I don't have discussions to sit down and say, "Tell me what you think we're of." Tell me what you think of where we're going. I'm just focused on the day, the game tonight, the game tomorrow, the game Wednesday. But we do have discussions about how we're going to get our team back to an elite level. We have this, those discussions regularly. I'm continuing to prepare as such until they tell me differently. I'm going to keep working. End quote. Uh, so it we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, like whether like what what Stan Bowman's future with the Hawks looks like uh and what what where it would have to at what point it would get to where um management uh John McDonough and Rocky Wirt stepped in and 
decided to make a general manager change. Um, it sounds like they have not, as like at least to uh, to Bowman's experience, that they have not said anything that would indicate that uh, he will not be around or that he will be around. Um, it sounds to me that this is turning into like it's similar like a bull the bull situation, where they keep blaming it on the coaches, <laughs> but in reality it seems it's like more of a GM issue. I will say that the Blackhawks situation is not nearly as awful as the bull no. situation. Oh god, no. But no, like where I'm headed with this is like I think the only, like. This is me now changing my stance on Bowman. Talking about how with this being potentially a lost season, if like we miss out on a high draft pick and we just barely miss out on the playoffs considering the roster moves and what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And like the sudden, how the Hawks were playing better and now they're back to being mediocre again. Mm-hmm. And how Bowman, I had said, bought himself time. So I'm thinking that it's going to be somewhat of a similar situation where we might be stuck with him up until we notice and start seeing more and more and more empty seats because the team is just like almost in like a purgatory. Yeah. Which I feel like going back to the Bulls, that's the same thing that Gar Foreman and Jim Paxson, Paxson are not going anywhere until there's more and more empty seats in the United Center. That makes sense. Um, I I get the sense that Stan Bowman's job is safe for now, which is a weird thing to say, um, which is a weird thing to say after they fired a, a future Hall of Famer head coach and in a season where they're probably going to miss the playoffs again uh, after telling us that they believe that this was a playoff roster. Um, I, I think the plan is probably, it's really hard to tell what the plan is. Um, <laughs> uh, it's the, the situation is definitely better than the Bulls. Um, and it's definitely better than in say, uh, like Montreal or, um, uh, Edmonton with, uh, Peter Cirelli. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Peter Torelli a little bit later. Um, but I, this is my prediction. I predict that we're going to, uh, we're going to play out the rest of the season. We're going to miss the playoffs. We'll get another top 10 pick. Um, I think John McDonough is going to say Bowman's going to be back next season. I think he's going to be really be in the hot seat next season. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to uh, make some splashy off-season moves. He's going to... Because they're going to have some cap space this, uh, next next season. They're probably going to have like like $15 million in cap space um, annually. So they'll probably... I think Bowman's going to sign some, some free agents. I think we're going to bank on like Adam Boquist or Ian Mitchell or uh, Nicholas Bodan making the roster. Um, and then it, it really is playoffs or bust next season for Bowman. This is my prediction, but I do think he will be back next season. Yeah. And, you know, I do have to give him some credit cause he's been killing it with 
these trades that he's been pulling yesterday, recently, like managing to trade Manning and Jan Ruda recently. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a future item. Okay, we'll we'll talk we'll more about that. Um, actually, that's part of the next day. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, look at this. Um, number eight, according to NBC Chicago, um, the Chicago Blackhawks have traded defenseman Brandon Manning to the Edmonton Oilers. The team announced Sunday afternoon. I don't remember what Sunday this was. I'm just pulling this from an article. Uh, Manning, along with defensive prospect Robin Norrell, are heading to the Oilers in exchange for forward Drake Kajula and defenseman Jason Garrison. After signing a two-year deal with the Blackhawks over the offseason, Manning struggled to stay in the lineup, scoring one goal and dishing out two assists in 27 games. The big wild card in the trade is Kajula, who will hope to benefit from a chance of... Change of scenery. Hmm. It says chance of scenery. I, I copied and pasted that, but uh, no, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it like that. Um, who hope to benefit from a change of scenery. The 24-year-old scored seven goals and dished out four assists in 29 games with the Oilers this season. Kajula will wear number 91 with the Blackhawks. Um, Stan Bowman absolutely fleeced Peter Chiarelli in this trade. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I think since Manny went over there, he played like three games... He was, and then he was like healthy scratch for like three more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty clear to Ken Hitchcock at least that Brandon Manning is not a strong defenseman, um, and I just Peter Torelli's an idiot, but I'm I'm thankful for that at least in this situation. And then don't forget, Brandon Manning was a guy who basically prevented McDavid from. Yes. Winning the... Yeah. So, word on the street is that not only are uh, McDavid and Kajula, like, pretty close, but also uh, it's, you know, it's common knowledge that Brandon Manning was the guy who injured Connor McDavid during his rookie season. That injury is arguably what prevented McDavid from winning uh, the Calder that year Instead, ceding it to Artemi Panarin. Again, working out in our favor. Uh, So, I can't imagine uh, McDavid is very happy about that. I I feel really bad for Oilers fans and for McDavid. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see McDavid hoist the cup. And I think we all thought that was, like, he's going to have a shot at it last season and it just didn't work out because... Chirelli is an idiot. Um, Next thing you know, he's going to trade McDavid. Yep. God, (laughs) he'll trade McDavid for... uh, A bag of peanuts. Yeah. Uh, Like the the Taylor Hall, uh, Adam Larson trade. That was bad. Um, I don't know how many points... uh, I I don't know how productive Kajula has been since since he's arrived here. But... Uh, he's no better, or he's no worse than Manning. Uh, Manning was, I mean, people were scratching their heads at the, like, the Manning acquisition this past offseason, and then for Bowman to give him so much money, and for him to give Manning two years, it's, it's absurd. Mm-hmm. But at the same, like, I... This I is the kind of, was, uh, sorry. I, I think it's like an insurance policy type signing, if anything. I guess. 
Like I, I, I could see maybe maybe Bowman thought he, but why would he give him the term? Like I could see if he's just like, well, let's sign some cheap defensemen and hope that some of them work out. But like Manning wasn't cheap for what you're getting. You're getting like a seventh or eighth defenseman, and he's he was costing two and a quarter million a year, and then you gave him two years. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it only took a couple of months into the season before people were calling him untradeable, and before people were saying that he was going to be like yet another contract on the books that just becomes an albatross. Uh, or relatively speaking, you know, he's not making Seabrook money, but it's like every every extra million it adds up. Like yes, yeah. Seabrook, uh, Kruger, uh, Anisimov. Um, we had Richard Panic for a little while. Like all of these guys overpaid just a little too much, except for except for Seabrook, who's way overpaid and given way too much term. Uh, as much as I love Seabrook. That, we don't have to get into that. Yeah, that's See, the, that's what winning cups gets you, though. That's true. That's true. All right, and then just to go back really quick on Kajula. Um, in three games with the Blackhawks, he is a minus one and has yet to record a point. Christ. But his faceoff win percentage has gone up ten, almost ten points from Edmonton. So. What is it right now? Thirty-six point three six with us. <laughs> that's awful. It's still <laughs> awful. <laughs> And it was worse? He was at 26.67 with Edmonton. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's like... Do you remember Nick Schmaltz's rookie seat? Like, Schmaltz was never great at face-offs. Like, in a, oh, in God, a good year... Terrible. In a good year, he would sniff, like, 40%. But, like, Schmaltz's rookie season, I think he was hovering around, like, 30, which is, like, just abysmal for who was, at, you know, at the time, the, uh, the Blackhawks' future number one center. Well, if you want to feel a little bad, Kajula's career faceoff percentage is thirty-seven point five. I well, I do feel bad. What? But Kajula, he makes less than Manning. I I, I feel like Kajula is just gonna be. We're gonna we got Manning off the books, and then Kajula's just gonna be a wash. Kajula is not signed through next season, right? I don't know. I forgot. Look that up. I don't know. Um. But either way, it's it's saving us money, and. Uh, you know, I guess we, we needed, we're, I don't want to say that we're okay defensively, but we have like this log jam of defensemen and really we need more, I think we need more depth scoring if anything at this point. Um, so, you know, there's no harm in acquiring Kajula and seeing if like maybe he could be moderately productive. I'm nope. not, I don't we have him for next season too. Oh, well... He signed a two-year, $3 million contract last June. So, a million and a half? 1.5 million, yep. That's... That's still not bad. It's not great either. No, but you're saving yourself, what, a million dollars? You signed through next season? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a meager savings, I suppose. Um, is he on a two-way contract or a one-way contract? Because if he's on a two-way contract, then you can bury part of that in the minors. No, he's on a one-way. No, yeah, well, still, though. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Jan Ruda trade, which I think almost might be a better trade than this one. Um, uh, moving on, grabbing the timestamp. 
Number nine comes from a Blackhawks official blog post. Jason Garrison, who was part of the aforementioned Manning trade, has been placed on unconditional waivers per the team after he did not report to Rockford. So uh, my guess here is that we acquired him and he's like... Salary dump. Like, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, like, for him, he's probably... Garrison was probably just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there in age. I'm way down on the depth chart. Not even making that much money. Uh, I'm not signed through next season. No one's gonna want to resign me. Not in this young, fast NHL. Uh, why should I pack up my shit and move from Edmonton to Chicago if I'm just gonna be moving again in like three months? So that's true. So maybe he's just going to retire or something. But not that anyone's going to follow up with that because he's he's Jason Garrison. He's not, you know, like Victor Hedman or someone that people actually care about. Sorry, Jason Garrison. I hope he's not listening to this. <laughs> he's going to find you and beat you with a hockey stick. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10 comes from a Blackhawks press release. The Chicago Blackhawks announced... Uh, today, it's probably not actually today, it's today whenever that article is written, that they have assigned forwards Andreas Martinson and Dylan Sakira to the Rockford Icehogs of the American Hockey League. Martinson had four points, one goal and three assists, in 24 games with the Blackhawks this season. He played in 64 regular season games with the Icehogs during the 2017-18 campaign, tallying 28 points, uh, 12 goals and 16 assists, while adding two goals and three helpers in 13 Calder Cup playoff contests. Sakura has spent time in Chicago and Rockford this season. In 11 games with the Blackhawks, he registered three assists. Prior to being recalled on December 12, 2018, the 23-year-old paced the Icehogs in goals at nine and points at 18. His nine helpers were second on the club. Uh, you remember, like, a month ago when we were like, finally, is here, and he's going to give us that depth scoring that we truly needed. Nope. And it didn't really <laughs> pan out. Uh... I also remember last year, like, you know, before we did this podcast, we would, like, message, you know, we'd text back and forth and talk about how Secure, you know, was the, like, the the most promising uh, offensive prospect in the pipeline. And he was the next Alex to bring it. <laughs> I don't think those words were ever uttered. No, but. but... Um, yeah, he is, uh, he is not the second coming of our Lord and Savior, uh, Marion Hosa. Marion Hosa. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Give him some time. He'll probably develop into uh, a decent hockey player. Yeah, he's uh, still fairly young, so. Yeah, fairly young. Although, he's he's young enough that, you know, for a forward, he should be, like, pretty effective by this point. But uh, we'll give him time. We'll see what we have. Uh, number 11 comes from a Blackhawks press release. Chicago Blackhawks announced today that they have placed defenseman Gustav Forsling on injured reserve, upper torso, retroactive to January 5th. Forsling, age 22, has appeared in 19 games with the Blackhawks this season, recording six points, two goals, and four assists. Um, That's a bit of a loss for the Hawks. A bit, but he, he really seemed like he progressed this season since last year. Yeah. Like, he looked really good with the Ice Hogs, but... I think maybe maybe like too much time off with his wrist injury or maybe he just maybe he needed more time in the minor cuz we he really took a non-linear 
development progression. And I think it hurt him. I think we forced him into the NHL too soon mm. and it hurt his development. Uh, and he's just been kind of like ping-ponging back and forth between Rockford and Chicago ever since then. But I, I don't think we're ever going to see this entire defensive core healthy at the same time. No. Um, but that's okay because next year we're hopefully going to have uh, Bodan Mitchell or Boquist. Or maybe all of them. No, that's wishful thinking. We wouldn't have room. Although that's that's kind of like an embarrassment of riches sort of situation. I'd love to have that problem. Right. Number 12 comes from NBC Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks have traded defenseman Jan Bruda to the Tampa Bay Lightning and a swap of depth blue liners on Friday. The Blackhawks will also send a seventh round pick to the Lightning as part of the deal. In exchange, the Blackhawks receive defenseman Slater... Kukuk? I don't know. I really should have looked up how to say his name before we started this. Oops. Pronunciation. I'm going to get it. I'm going to find it right now. Here we go. It's loading up. That that was a fake one, I think. Oh my goodness. Is this... How about this one? Come on. Say it. Kokik. Kokik? Kokik. 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 Slater Kokik. Alright. Let's go with that. That sounds like a name. You know, like some Eastern European guy. Or something. Whatever he is. Um, uh, the Blackhawks received defenseman Slater Kokik. And a fifth round pick in the 2019 draft, the team announced. Uh, Ruta scored two goals and registered four assists in 23 games with the Blackhawks this season. He will be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Meanwhile, Kokik has five goals and nine assists in 85 career NHL games since being drafted in 2012. He is owed a cap hit of $865,000 this season and will become a free agent at season's end. Uh, so this one, this one kind of baffles me. He was... I think picked 10th overall, I think, between uh, Jacob Truba and Philip Forsberg, which okay. is like why he, you know, he, when he wasn't as good as those guys, it's it's clear to see why the team was d- disappointed in the, you know, how he has progressed. Mm-hmm. But it still sounds like we're getting the better player. Oh, yeah. And that, and then don't forget, we're also moving up in the draft because we we got rid of a seventh round and we got a fifth rounder in exchange. Yeah. So we upgraded the draft pick. It sounds like we upgraded the defenseman, even if, you know, even if he doesn't break the lineup, even if he's not even, even if he's like worse than Forsling, who, you know, is like, okay, like good enough for an NHL lineup almost, but it, everything I've read about this guy, it sounds like the reason he couldn't make the lineup in Tampa is just because Tampa's defensive core is just so good. They're they're like 17-1-1 in their last 19 games. They are insanely good. Like I I think I read somewhere that if you if you compare their record like up to this point in the season, it's almost comparable to the 2013 Blackhawks. Oh yeah, that. In that like a bridge season. Like they're just that good. They're insanely good. And that's, it sounds like that's the only reason that he didn't crack the line. Yeah, not enough space in the depth chart, basically. 
So I truly don't understand why they would make this deal. It's it's still Steve Eiserman at the helm through this season. And he's like he's regarded as like the best GM in hockey. I really don't know what they're getting out of this. This I think almost is probably a better deal than the Manning trade. Cuz Ruda was making we now we buried half of Ruda's salary in the minors. So his two and a his two and a quarter was more like 1. Point, 1.125. Yeah, decimals. Um, but still, for us to trade him for what is probably a better player making league minimum and to upgrade our draft pick makes me question the sanity of management in Tampa. At least, like, momentarily. Like, maybe Bowman took Steve Eiserman out to the bar and got him really shit-faced. And he's like... Want to make a crazy trade right now? I don't know. Yeah, it does make sense, but maybe it, maybe it's one of the situations where, like, once again, going back to the Bulls, doing a solid for what they did to Houston, taking that salary just to dump it. Is that what happened with the Bulls? Yeah. So explain that situation to me one more time. We're going to talk basketball for a minute. Okay, so the Rockets traded, um, I forgot his name, to the Bulls who, the day he got traded, they had, the Rockets had up until 5 p.m. to either trade him or he'd be signed for, on the guaranteed contract for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So, they traded him to, they traded him to the Bulls, which the Bulls just promptly went and cut him, so the Rockets would have the roster space, okay. basically. So I wonder if that's pretty similar to what this is, where the Lightning were just possibly doing a solid to the Hawks by trading Ruda, by taking Ruda on. I feel like you could write off the Bulls' decision to do that as, like, managerial incompetence. (laughs) I don't think managerial incompetence is something that they have a lot of in Tampa, Iserman's a really good GM, and even uh, uh, his assistant GM, uh, Breeze Bois or whatever his name is, he's looking, who's going to take over next season, he's looking like he's a pretty uh, competent guy as well. So I just don't know. Yeah. At least with Peter Chiarelli, you could be like, well, Chiarelli's an idiot. No wonder he you know, fell for this. Like, like Edmonton's struggling and we're struggling and then you you take these two guys and they're like, Hey, you wanna trade my disappointment for your disappointment? And then maybe a change of scenery makes them both better. Hmm. Like teams do that all the time. We've done that with uh with Arizona several times, like uh uh like Schmaltz and Strom or um uh Duclair and Richard Panic. But Steve Eiserman, he made this trade. There's got to be something. There's got to be like some salary cap bullshit, or there's got to be some, like, hey, like, or Coke banged his wife or something. Yeah, (laughs) something. There's got to be something. I don't get it. But so that's that's it for the news. Okay, moving on to the around the league news section. 
Uh, we're going to start off with number one. This one's a doozy, so uh, hang in there with me for a second. This one comes via NHL.com. The, the National Hockey League announced today that the locations and dates for the 2019 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic, the 2020 Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic, the 2020 NHL uh, Honda NHL All-Star Weekend, and 2020 NHL Stadium Series planned for the 2019-2020 NHL season. I feel like I said NHL a lot. Uh, the events were officially announced today by NHL uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman during the 2019 Bridgestone NHL uh, Winter Classic between the Chicago Blackhawks and Boston Bruins at Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Indiana. By the way, this came out uh, January 1st, not today, January 12th. Uh, so, uh, first outdoor game. Uh, the 2019 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic will feature the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets at Mosaic Stadium in Regina, Saskatchewan on October 26th. That's my birthday. Nice. The NHL Heritage Classic returns to the NHL regular season schedule after games in 2016 in Winnipeg, 2014 in Vancouver, 2011 in Calgary, and 2003 in Edmonton. The game will be the second regular season outdoor contest for both the Flames and Jets. Uh, next game. The 2020 Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic will feature the Dallas Stars at the Cotton Bowl Stadium in Dallas, Texas on January 1st, 2020. It will mark the first NHL regular season outdoor game for the Stars. The game continues the tradition the league established in 2008 of hosting a regular season outdoor game at the onset of the new year with the 2020 edition marking the 12th anniversary of the first NHL Winter Classic in Buffalo. Dallas' opponent for the 2020 Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic will be, will be announced at a future date. Sources do say that it will probably not be the Blackhawks. So that that's not a game that we can immediately write off as a loss. Uh, next game, the 2020 NHL Honda NHL All-Star Weekend will take place in St. Louis, Missouri on January 24th through 26th at Enterprise Center. Home of the St. Louis Blues, it will be the third time St. Louis has hosted the NHL All-Star activities. Uh, the 2020 Honda NHL All-Star Weekend will include the All-Stars. I'm not going to read all the bullshit, like the full title the, anymore because it's. It's all the All-Star event. Yeah. All-Star Weekend yeah. event. Yeah, the All-Star skills, and it's a. Yeah, you know how it goes. Uh, the next, uh, then finally, the 2020 NHL All-Star Series. Goddamn, I'm slowly losing my mind. The 2020 NHL Stadium Series will visit the United States Air Force Academy's Falcon Stadium in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where the Colorado Avalanche will play host. On February 15th, it will be the second regular season outdoor game for the Avalanche. The 2020 NHL Stadium Series will mark the second time the NHL has brought a regular season outdoor game to a U.S. Service Academy following the Washington-Toronto NHL Stadium Series matchup at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland in 2018. Uh, Colorado's opponent for the 2020 NHL Stadium Series will be announced at a future date. Okay, so... Maybe the Blackhawks. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Hopefully um, not. Hopefully not. Um, okay, so uh, we got three outdoor games there. There's a lot to unpack there. But we got three outdoor games there and then an all-star game. Uh, the So we got the game between the Flames and the Jets. Nice. Uh, we've got the game in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl uh, against a... An opponent who is to be decided. Not um, named the Blackhawks. Not named the Blackhawks, probably. Um, this is weird to me. Now, I've, I've never been to Texas in the winter, or at all, actually. Uh, I've never been to Texas around New Year's, but I, I just find it surprising that they decided to host an outdoor game in Texas. 
No, I don't, because one of I got a couple of my gamer friends are from Texas, and every once in a while they're complaining about the cold weather. Like it, it does. It can get chilly down there. You can mm-hmm. get like forties, thirties, forties over there. So, I guess that's that's cold enough to keep an hockey a hockey rink in, uh, you know, in solid ice. I've I've heard that they can keep ice in playable condition in up to eighty degrees, which sounds just crazy to me. I yeah. feel like even if the ice is good, the players would just be sweltering in those uniforms. Mm-hmm. Unless you made them, like, short sleeves. That would be pretty cool. What if they made, like, short sleeve NHL jerseys and they expected them to play in, like, like, like 60 or 70 degrees? That'd be interesting. That'd be crazy. Um, uh, then you've also got the, uh, the All-Star Weekend in St. Louis. That's driving distance, Hawks fans. Um, I think we should totally go there. Road trip. Yeah. Uh, and then... The uh, 2020 Stadium Series will be hosted by the Colorado Avalanche at that uh, Air Force Academy. Uh, no decision on who they will be playing yet either. So, good stuff. Uh, number two comes from ProHockeyRumors.com. Beginning this offseason, the rumblings at star forward Artemi Panarin did not want to re-sign with the Columbus Blue Jackets created the impression that a blockbuster trade was inevitable prior to the end of this season when Panarin becomes an unrestricted free agent that no longer appears to be the case. In the midst of another strong season for both Panarin and his team, the high-scoring winger is hoping to stay in Columbus through the end of the season. His agent, Dan Milstein, told TSN's Leaf Lunch on Friday. Panarin is also reportedly opening up to the idea of an extension with the Blue Jackets. Milstein stated that he and Panarin plan to meet over the All-Star break in late January to discuss the future. Part of that conversation will be about a potential long-term fit with the Blue Jackets. Quote, He likes it in Columbus. They have a good, young team. Management has been nothing but great to him. He wants to help the team to win the Stanley Cup. End quote. Milstein said. Panarin is a very competitive player, and Milstein made it clear that last season's early exit, early playoff exit bothered the all-world winger, and he hopes to lead the team deeper into the postseason this year. There's also the potential for a long-term fit in Columbus as Milstein will play. Uh, it's just, it goes on more about that stuff. Um, so, right now it's sounding more like Bobrovsky is more likely to leave Columbus than Panarin. And before you mention the billboards, those are in here. Damn. Uh, so let's just move on. Uh, speaking of the billboards, uh, number three comes from firstohiobattery.com. High Bank Distillery, located in Grandview, posted on Instagram that Artemi Panarin will get free liquor for life if he re-signs with the Blue Jackets. The text of the Instagram post reads, Have you heard? High Bank Distillery is offering Artemi Panarin High Bank for life if he stays with the Columbus Blue Jackets. We hope you'll help us in our crusade to do our part to keep Artemi Panarin in Columbus. And then the picture was just like this, uh, uh, this billboard for this distillery. They just offered him free vodka for life if he stays with Columbus. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder if Bob feels jealous. Because I haven't seen anything like this for Bob yet. Right. Uh, number four comes from the Blue Jackets subreddit. I Fuck, I haven't been doing the timestamps. Uh, 745. Uh, number four comes from the Blue Jackets subreddit. A second billboard to get Panarin to stay has gone up in Columbus. The billboard advertises uh, Murray Hill Dental in Columbus and reads, Hey Panarin, quote, check, and quote, this out. Stay in Columbus and re- receive free dentistry. 
So I, I literally think that's a ploy that's more of a hot dentist than anything. Because <laughs> it's literally a hot dentist on that billboard. <laughs> she probably knew she'd get some uh, some viral uh, uh, some uh, publicity, publicity if she uh, she did this. But still, though, uh, free vodka for life and free dentistry for life, that's pretty cool. I'm sure Duncan Keith would have appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. No teeth, Keith. Um, number five comes at 8.45-ish. Uh, from USA Today, Washington Capitals superstar Alex Ovechkin, recently named one of the captains of the upcoming NHL All-Star team, has informed the league he won't be playing so he can better prepare for the second half of the regular season. Quote, my body needs a rest, end quote. He said Wednesday. Ovechkin, age 33, clearly feels strongly about it because NHL rules dictate that he will have to sit out the game, that he will have to sit out a game for skipping the event. So what that means is if he skips the All-Star game, he is... One game suspension. One game suspension. Which is total bullshit. Yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, so they started this in, I think, 2009 when... uh, uh, Pavel Datsuk and someone else from the Red Wings were basically doing exactly this. Mm-hmm. And then they they didn't want, like, what's an all-star game with uh, when uh, some of your superstars are sitting out? Right. Especially guys like Pavel Datsuk, who, I hate to admit, really exciting player to watch. Just the showmanship of Pavel Datsuk. Mm-hmm. And to not have him in the all-star game, I can, I can totally understand why the league would, you know, react negatively to that although maybe the alternative there is to make the all-star game more meaningful yeah exactly rather than you know punishing players for this i was actually listening to puck soup recently and they were talking about this and i had i had some crazy ideas and maybe they're too crazy but let me just run them by you and you tell me how you feel about this okay um so a long time ago like Decades ago, I'm pretty sure the the NHL All Star Game used to be played between the uh, reigning Stanley Cup champs and then just like all the best players from every other team, and then those two teams would play. Okay. So what if what if they either you know they could do something like that again? They can go back to that format. It still doesn't make it meaningful. But what if they made it like? It sounds a little stupid now that I'm saying it out loud. But what if they made it so it was like a regular season game for the home team? It's almost like an extra credit opportunity. Like, your reward for hosting the All-Star game is that you basically get an opportunity to earn another two points in the standings. I guess it's not really fair. No. I mean, I'd love to find a way to make it a regular season game for all of these guys. But if... I don't know... Because, like, the skills competition is pretty cool. I, I think... Right. That's probably the most entertaining thing of the whole weekend. Yeah. I <coughs> I think... I don't want to... I don't know that most people like the skills competition, but I think most people who are into the All-Star Weekend at all like the skills competition. Yeah. Uh, there are probably... There are definitely some people who think that the entire ordeal is just a load of shit. But... Uh, the skills competition is the highlight for most hockey fans, I think. Mm-hmm. And then no one cares about the All-Star game because it's just a bunch of guys with no chemistry who refuse to play with any commitment or passion because the game doesn't matter. Right. 
Um, yeah, I, I think what I think would probably be interesting to make it somewhat entertaining would be if there was something at stake like like a massive donation to a charity of their choice, like to the winning captain's charity of choice type thing. I mean, it would definitely add some meaning to it. Granted, it's still not going to be like one of those things like, oh, it's worth playing just for this, but no. But I mean, you have to throw a little incentive in there for something. Granted, the NBA doesn't have anything either. They could do what the MLB used to do and then give uh, home field advantage or home ice advantage to the winner in the uh, Stanley Cup final. Yeah, that'd be interesting, but that's what you know, the whole point system is for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... It's funny. I always thought that it was absolute horseshit that the MLB did that. And now that we're talking about the All-Star game, it's... Like, when you think about it in the context of how do you decide uh, home field or home ice advantage in the final series, it's, like, to, to weigh it on the All-Star game is, like, just stupid. Mm-hmm. But when you... But when you're thinking about in like in the context of how do you make the All Star Game significant, it starts to sound like almost a good idea, right? Because you want the All Star Game to be significant. It would be great if it were you know a little bit more like these outdoor games where it, it was a regular season games and there were actual points on the board, to, you know, for the taking. But I don't know how you do that when you have like, like one, two, three, four guys from each team. And it's not the whole team, so it's not like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like, like the winning team gets a point in the standings for their team. I don't know. Or like, like, like each, each guy that's on, if like the, if like the Pacific, no. Or how about if they, like, a division gets like salary relief or something. That would be an interesting incentive. That would be interesting. Just like, like if, like let's say the central division were to win, we'll give you one and a half million dollars of cap relief or something. Huh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, because you could sign like a depth forward or something with a million and a half bucks, or if you already have a million and a half bucks, then you could sign like you know a top nine guy, or like maybe. You know, like a third pairing, maybe like a like a like a like a fourth, fifth, or sixth defenseman. You know, mm-hmm. it could it could it could be the difference maker for some people for uh, some guys. Although, then you've also got the teams like Arizona and uh, uh, Carolina that aren't. That would really only be beneficial to teams who are at the salary cap, right? You know, like the Blackhawks or the. The Capitals or the the Penguins, it wouldn't be beneficial to a uh, cap floor team like Arizona or Carolina. Um, now they do pay for, they do currently play for cash, but that's really not that substantial, especially when With every guy salaries. Is, yeah, especially when most <laughs> of the guys who are there are making millions and millions of dollars a year because mm-hmm. they're the best players in the league. Right. So I don't know if you all. You listeners have any suggestions for how to make the All-Star game more meaningful? Tweet at us. At SweaterPod. Number six. Comes from NHL.com. 
Uh, Carey Price will not participate in the 2019 Honda NHL All-Star Game at SAP Center in San Jose. Uh, quote, we took the time to discuss the situation with Carey and the medical group earlier today, and we all agreed that the best decision for him would be to rest and recuperate during the upcoming All-Star break, end quote. General Manager Mark Bergevin said, quote, Carey has had a nagging injury for some time, and we want to make sure to have him healthy and rested for the second half of the season, end quote. So, uh, Carey Price is also sitting it out, but it's just because he's, he's hurt. Right. Which is fine. No, is he <clears throat> going to be suspended as well? Probably. I, I mean, if he's injured anyway, I don't know if... Well, I guess it depends if he's on IR or not. If right. he's on IR, then they probably just add the suspension to like the first game that he's he back. activated. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's probably... It's fine. Are the where are the Canadians at in the standings? Do they have any prayer of of making the playoffs? I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's see. They are currently because Price is like the linchpin that holds that team together. They're currently fifth in their division with fifty one points. I mean, they're. Like, they're not going to win the cup or anything. They even just traded uh, Max Pacioretty over to Vegas. So, they're, like, they've gotten worse, if anything. I mean, okay. Yeah, they're, what, sixth, fifth, fifth in their division right now? But they're only seven points behind the Maple Leafs for second in the division. Hmm. They're only three points out of third. So, they theoretically still have a shot. They got, they got a shot at making the playoffs, for sure. But I don't know if it's good enough that Carey Price should, like, rush his way back. Right. Um, uh, God, meanwhile, Jesus. Tampa sitting with 70 points. I know, right? 44 games. That's... They're tearing it up. Well, they'll be out in, like, the second round. They'll, yeah. get, they'll get matched up with, like, Pittsburgh or something. And they get swept in the first gone. round. Yep. Um, number seven comes through the uh, Chicago Sun-Times. Um, Coyotes forward Nick Schmaltz will miss the rest of the 2018-19 season due to a knee injury, the team announced Tuesday. Schmaltz has been in, on injured reserve with a lower body injury since January 3rd. He last appeared in the team's 5-1 loss to the Golden Knights just before the turn of the calendar. This is the second big blow to the Coyotes roster this season. They're already without starting goalie Antti Ranta, who is sidelined indefinitely as he underwent surgery in December for a lower body injury. Schmaltz, age 22, appeared to be on the upswing since he was traded to the Coyotes from the Blackhawks for forwards Dylan Strome and Brendan Perlini. In 17 games, he notched 14 points, 5 goals and 9 assists. Before that, Schmaltz only had 11 points in 23 games. With wow. the Blackhawks. I didn't realize he was doing that well for Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was really starting to look like the trade worked out for the for Hawks the and the Coyotes. But, um, now I don't want to say, I don't want to say we dodged a bullet here because we don't know that we, he would have been injured if he was still playing with us. Right. But we're definitely in the better situation of the two. And it's, you could probably argue that we won the trade for that reason. 
We also got Brendan Perlini, who is, you know, kind of showing signs of life. Mm-hmm. He's not blowing us away or anything. I think his first goal of the season was the one that he scored in the Winter Classic. But yeah. he's got, what, like three or four points or something? Yeah, I mean, hell, just for Strom alone, who's been impactful for the team. is Oh, for sure. For sure. Definitely worth it. Yeah, people are always talking about how Patrick Kane keeps losing his, uh, his hockey soulmates, like Panarin and uh, Schmaltz. But I think playing on our line with Strom is probably uh, is probably feeding him the same way, scratching that same itch. Because mm-hmm. uh, Strom, his his strength has always been his hockey IQ and his puck handling and things like that. Like a, a lot of the same strengths that Kaner has, but uh, the knock on him was always his skating, and that was probably a little overblown. I think his skating is is fine. He's He's not, I don't think he's as good of a skater as Nick Schmaltz was. He's definitely not as good as Kane is. But, you know, he's he's fine on a line with uh, guys who are smart with the puck and, you know, know how to receive passes and give passes. And he's. I think he's going to be just fine with us. He's been plenty productive. I think he's basically been what we expected Nick Schmaltz to be mm-hmm. at this point. Um and he can also win face-offs better than Schmaltz. So, I think, uh, by and large, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that trade. And that's coming from me, a guy who liked Nick Schmaltz. I almost considered getting his jersey at one point, back when, you know, Nick Schmaltz was the future number one center of the franchise. <clears throat> number eight comes from uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh... The Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, will not be with the team for tonight's game versus Nashville Predators. That's probably the other night now. By now. Yeah, I think that was from Thursday. Yeah, something like that. Club general manager, Yarmo Kekalainen? Kekalainen. That looks right. Yarmo Kekalainen announced today. There are certain expectations and values that we've established for our players that define our culture, said Kekalainen. An incident occurred in which Sergei failed to meet those expectations and values. So we made the decision that he would not be with the team for tonight's game. This is an internal matter, and we will not we will have no further comment at this time. So this is a great story. That's a lot uh, of speculation with that comment it's right there. Yeah. So, like realistically, my guess is like there 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 are there's word that. Uh, that uh, Bobrovsky's relationship with uh, Coach Tortorella was strained. So I can imagine a situation where uh, Bob goes off the rails and starts cursing at uh, Torts, and then Torts curses right back, and then they're like, you're suspended. And then they come out and say, like, you know, we don't want to talk about the specific incident because it's none of your guys' business, uh, so we're just going to suspend him one game. Fine, but... The way that they put this out here and say that there's, like, an unspecified incident, like, people's speculation, people's imaginations are going to run wild, and the things that we think up are going to be so much crazier than what actually happened, most likely. Because you don't know. He, he could have been, like, you know, he, he could have shown up to a game, you know, fucking high on coke or something. Yeah, I mean, we can get creative. <laughs> yeah, we can get real creative. Um... But who knows? Uh, hopefully we'll find out. I'd love to know. I don't think we will. Probably not. Um, unless it was something that involved, like, the law, Could we're be. not going to find out. Yeah. 
it, it would have been released. Right. If that were the case. If he, like, got in a fight at a nightclub or something, then right. we, we would have heard about it. Uh, but, so, feel free to speculate about that, because you will anyway. You know you will. Number nine comes from NHL.com. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog will join Col- Colorado Avalanche linemates Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon at the 2019 NHL All-Star Game at SAP Center in San Jose. Landeskog was among the four players who won the 2019 NHL All-Star Last Men in, presented by Adidas Fanville. God, it's like I brought, I got, I copied and pasted this straight from NHL.com, and they've got all of like the the little like like the sponsorship flair in there, and I'm sick of reading it. Um. The forward has 51 points, 27 goals, and 24 assists. That's crazy. As part of the top-scoring line in hockey with Rantanen, 68 points, and McKinnon, 66 points, who were named to the Central Division team by the NHL Hockey Operations Department on January 2nd. It will be Landeskog's first All-Star Game appearance. The other three players voted in were forward Jeff Skinner of the Buffalo Sabres for the Atlantic, defenseman Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins for the Metro, and forward Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers for the Pacific. Uh, so Taves didn't make it, which is, you know, predictable. I didn't think he'd ever beat uh, Landeskog. But, you know, I did my part. I went online and I voted for him. Yeah, I mean, considering he's had a resurgent season and he's still a pretty popular player, like, I'm surprised he didn't make it in. But at the same time, yeah, Landeskog is, is deserving, so. Oh, for sure. Landeskog is deserving based on his uh, his performance. Um, it is, I think you're the one who said it to me. Like, it's basically a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. For the most part, which is like the one reason it's surprising that Taves didn't make it, but still, um, twenty five. I just say twenty six. Number ten comes from ESP. Oh, this is the final item. Number ten comes from ESPN.com. Rick Nash, the thirty four year old left winger and one of the most prolific scorers in recent NHL history, has retired due to concussion related symptoms. His agent announced on Friday. Quote, due to unresolved symptoms, issues slash symptoms from the concussion sustained last March, Rick Nash will be forced to retire from the game of hockey. Under the advice of his medical team, the risk of further brain injury is far too great if Nick returns to play. Rick, not Nick. Uh, end quote. His agent, that was not part of the quote. It was me saying, uh, it was me correcting myself. His agent, Joe uh, Resnick, said in a statement, quote, uh, Rick would like to thank everyone who has supported him during this difficult time period. End quote. Nash was drafted first overall in 2002 by the Columbus Blue Jackets, playing for the Blue Jackets, New York Rangers, and Boston Bruins. Nash had 437 goals and 368 assists in 1,060 career games. So That's a tough loss. I mean, yeah. for his age, yeah, like it's like the twilight of his career pretty much, but still, considering that he had to retire because of a concussion, that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's really unfortunate. I... Uh, part of me worries that we're going to see a headline like this come out about Corey Crawford mm-hmm. pretty soon. Uh, which, I, I hate to see him go out like that. Yeah, and th- this, the crazy thing is with, like, the NHL game getting faster and faster, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, more concussions start coming around for players with, like, these collisions and stuff. I can see it, especially the way that they've been... Uh, you know, for a couple of years, the NHL was trying to address what, you know, this perceived, like, scoring drought. Um, and the way that they did that was by making the goalies' pads smaller. 
So, and I think this year what they did was they removed some of the shoulder padding. So when the puck goes high and it hits, you know, like the, the one or two holes, it's, it's like there's real risk of like actually hurting these guys. Like there are goalies who are complaining near the beginning of the year. They're saying like when, you know, when I'm taking shots, they, they really hurt. I don't want to get in front of the puck anymore because these shots hurt. Um, which I don't know. I, I would have just like made the net a little wider, like add two inches to the net, you know. Oh, Everyone would love an extra they, two inches. Didn't know? they? Sh- <laughs> didn't they? Um, a few seasons ago, didn't they shorten the um the curve of the the nets, or like how far they protruded out to make them a little smaller to have more room in the back of the nets? That sounds familiar. These sound like such small changes, but I imagine, I imagine you have to make really small changes like that. Mm-hmm. Because although I will say that one of the things that they did do. That I do like, but they still fuck up from time to time is the new ice, the hybrid icing rule. The hybrid ice, explain this to me, I'm not familiar. So the old, so before they changed the rule, the old icing was the first player to touch the puck would determine if it was icing or not. Mm -hmm. So it was literally a, a foot race to who gets to the puck first. Whereas now that... It's proximity based, so whoever's closer to the puck when it crosses that blue line, for an icing call or for that that line behind the goal, for icing, it's whoever's the closer player. Mm-hmm. That's what will determine if it's icing or not. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was a safety thing because there was a lot of collisions happening with those foot races for the for the puck. Yeah, I I. I was aware of all that. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with the terminology. Of yeah, the, they like, they the just they just call it hybrid icing. Gotcha. I, although I guess it's just basically icing at this, at this point. Yeah, my initial reaction when you brought that up was that it didn't feel like it was a huge problem, but I'm actually thinking back to it, and I think there was a game last season where Seabrook was chasing down a puck for an icing call, and he kind of like slowed his pace because he's like, "Well, this is definitely an icing call," and then. Uh, like the the ref knew never uh, the the linesman never blew the whistle and uh, it wound up being kind of a, a controversial situation. But yeah, um, so uh, Rick Nash, and Venera, quite a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all the news items we have for you guys. We will talk to you again in one to two weeks, depending on whether or not Abe forgets that we had a podcast this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.